When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. He'll drop it off to Pouillon, twists it back to McDavid, inside to Everly, reach shot, score! 3-0 Jordan Everly from Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chet. All right, let's get going Friday. Friday night, Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. Connor McDavid. Oh, guess what? He's the rookie of the month again. Well, why wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't he be? 16 points in 15 games in the month of March. A couple of game-winning goals driving the play all the time. And, of course, the Calder debate continues around McDavid. You'll hear reaction from him on that in a few minutes. We continue to count down towards the closing of Rexall Place, or at least the final Oilers game at Rexall Place. The actual building isn't uh, closing, but it will be the final two Oilers games at Rexall Place. Tomorrow, the last battle of Alberta at the Old Barn. You'll hear from Calgary Flames forward Perry Barrison tonight. Yes, uh, Edmonton guy who scored, and I use the term scored loosely, one of the biggest goal in Calgary Flames history at Rexall Place, April of 1986. It was actually Steve Smith banked it into the Oilers' net off his own goaltender, Grant Fewer. But Perry Berzin got credit for that. He'll share some memories of that goal and some other moments. He got crushed by Mark Messier in a game in 1988. We'll see if he remembers anything about that at all. John Short will be in studio tonight. That'll be great. Longtime Edmonton sports announcer and columnist. He will have Oilers and other memories of the building. Bob Stoffer on the show tonight. Morley Scott as well. He was uh, at the Oil Kings game last night. Man, Brandon ties up the series 5-0 over the Oil Kings. And Morley will also tell us what's coming up on the Eskimo show on Sunday. And you will meet Jesse Bouchard, who recently bowled a perfect game, a 450 in five pin. And Jesse, a uh, pretty unique young man. He does have uh, cerebral palsy, and he has uh, some paralysis in parts of his body. Able to overcome that and bowl a 450. Huge Eskimos fan. Very energetic young man. He's going to be on the show tonight as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is 6.08. My name is Reed Wilkins and the Oilers game tomorrow, of course, against Calgary. 6.30 for the face-off show. 8 o'clock for the drop of the puck right here on 6.30, Chad. And then don't forget on Wednesday, man, what a day it's going to be. We're going to have wall-to-wall coverage of the last game at Rexall Place. Oilers now 
from noon to two. We'll have a special documentary from two to three called Rexall's Last Stand. We'll have an extended face-off show from three to five. The game will start at five on Wednesday. We'll have overtime open line. We'll have coverage of the uh, closing ceremonies at Rexall Place. That is going to be a uh, fun and uh, busy day when it comes to the last Oilers game in that building. So please remember to join us on that occasion. All right, Matthew Panashik on the other side of the window this evening. Matthew, how are you doing, buddy? Great, Reid. Good to see you. You're you're going hard with that Bengals hat, eh? I love this hat. It is it is a very unique hat. You can always text us at 630-630. You can call us 780-496-0063. You know, it's funny. Last week, Matthew, I can't remember if you worked that day or not, but I went around the NHL a little bit, and uh, look, I'm not going to claim that well, just like whenever you do sort of an informal poll, it's just that. It's it's informal. It's casual. It might give you an idea about reality. Doesn't doesn't always predict, but it, it can give you a bit of a guideline. So what, what did I do? I talked to 13 media types, right? I talked to two bloggers, one in the Eastern Conference and one in the West, and I talked to two current NHL players. And I said, give me your top three in the Calder vote. And the, the result was uh, Artemi Panarin from the Chicago Blackhawks first, the Edmonton Oilers' Connor McDavid second, and Shane Gostis-Bear from the Philadelphia Flyers third. That didn't surprise me. Now, McDavid did get some first-place votes, but Panarin got the most. Uh, oddly enough, Panarin and McDavid were not named in the top three by all 17 people. I found, found that a little surprising because, because, to me, it's between, between those two guys. But uh, McDavid named the Rookie of the Month. So every month he's played the entire time, October, February, and March, he's won Rookie of the Month. And off the faceoff, it's jammed up. And now Eichel will be joined by Reinhardt. Eichel heads for the net, right circle, backhander, and he slid it wide. Rebound comes off the boards, two on two Oilers. McDavid has a step to the net, backhander, short side, he scores! Connor McDavid scores both goals tonight and wins the game in overtime! Two to one is your final. Edmonton leaves Western New York with two points once again. I definitely take a lot of pride in it. It's uh, something that I'm very happy about, but it's uh, it's mostly credit to my teammates and, and everyone around me. I mean, um, you know, they've uh, everyone's been playing pretty well, and when everyone does that, you know, personal success uh, goes along with it. So um, definitely credit to them. Do you think about the Calder Trophy, how you're going to do, what votes you might get, uh, given you're going to probably wind up playing just over half the season? Yeah, I don't really uh, think about it too much. Um, it's it's kind of something that I haven't been too worried about. It's not something I've been focused on. I've just been trying to play the best hockey that I can play, um, you know, within the system and within the team. And um, you know, if I get some votes, obviously that'd be that'd be very nice, and that'd be something that you know, I'd, you know it's a dream come true. But um, it's out of my hands. It's it's not. Uh, not my control really anymore so you know it's unfortunate that he was hurt and um, anybody that's going to vote on that award will will have to take that into consideration everybody will have their own parameters on uh, uh, on what's acceptable or unacceptable as far as games play but I can tell you in the ones that he has played um, he's been very productive he's been a go-to guy for our team and I think those three awards that he's received for each of the months that he's played um, indicate where he stands uh, amongst his peers. All right, so some comments today from McDavid and head coach Todd McClellan. The Oilers, by the way, practiced at the Royal Glenora Club. Uh, 
today, I believe. Who's the concert tonight? Marianas Trench? Yes. They're the guys that did the Grey Cup uh, two or three years ago. Are they popular? I guess they are if they're at Rexall Place. Shows you I'm getting old. Uh, so anyway, the, the, it, it, it's, I mean, it comes down to the games played debate. And and this is, this is probably going to be remembered as the year where McDavid was the best rookie, the best in points per game but he didn't play enough games. And I, I do believe that is that is what's going to happen. I, I do believe that is what's going to happen, that it'll just come down to him having not played enough games. And I remind you of this. The two NHL players I polled in my little informal survey both picked Panarin over McDavid, one from each conference, which leads me to believe that that they understand there is a grind to the season there is something to be said about playing all or the majority of the games. The award goes to the first-year player who is most proficient in the National Hockey League. You can interpret proficiency however you want. Well, it appears that a lot of people, maybe most of the voters, are going to include playing most of the games in the definition of proficiency, whether you like it or not, as Oilers fans. I just, I just think that how that's uh, going to play out. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. You can tweet me at Reed Wilkins. We're into your Action Furnace Oilers report. Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Some other news and notes for you here. Uh, most of this, well, all of this happening in the last half hour or so. Or so. Duncan Keith of the Chicago Blackhawks has been suspended six games for swinging his stick into the face of Minnesota's Charlie Coyle. So here's what's going to happen. He'll miss the last five Chicago regular season games, and he will miss one Chicago playoff game. Too much? Not enough? I would, In my mind, I would say not enough. Because I think if you do something with a stick, that's worse than doing something, you know, with a punch or, or in a fight or... Uh, you know, a, a big body check or anything like that. I, th- I think if you're using your stick, and I know it's all split-second decisions, but there's a little more premeditation into it. Anybody that plays hockey knows what a dangerous weapon the stick can be. I don't think it's enough, um, but he, but uh, Duncan Keith does get six games. The Eskimos will not have to give the Ottawa Red Blacks any compensation for the hiring of Jason Moss as their head coach. He was the uh, offensive coordinator with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Jeffrey Orge, the commissioner of the CFL, ruling on that. So uh, the Eskimos didn't ask and get no compensation for Chris Jones and the rest of the coaching staff. They will not have to give anything up for Jason Moss. And Tiger Woods has announced, probably not much of a surprise here, that because of continuing back issues, he will not take part in the Masters tournament. That tees off, uh, what, in six days, Matthew? Can't wait, buddy. It's a great tournament. Love love watching the Masters. Don't love everything about Augusta National. The golf course, if you've ever read about the history of it, and some of the things that uh, that, that, that still go on. But, uh, yeah, that really takes us into the spring and the summer once the Masters tees up. Okay, we're going to keep rolling here with some Oilers news from today, some lineup notes for tomorrow, a little bit more on McDavid as well. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Okay, thanks for tuning in tonight. Quick look at your NHL scoreboard: St. Louis and Boston scoreless about seven minutes in. Same situation for the Jets and Chicago. Red Wings up one nothing on the Wild after one. 
Capitals and Avalanche later on, Canucks and Ducks later on. Oilers and Flames tomorrow night at Rexall Place. Perry Berzin, a member of several battles of Alberta on the Calgary side of the fence, even though he's from Edmonton. He's going to join us in about uh, 12 to 13 minutes here on the big show. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. Here uh, are some texts to 630-630. James said, Duncan Keith should have been suspended at least eight games. And Cole says, it's a joke. Keith is a repeat offender. It was not much different than the McSorley and Brashear incident. Keith should have been suspended at least 12 games. That is from Cole. A couple of those coming in. Also, how much better does McDavid have to be than third or fourth in the league in points per game? Well, he's third in the league in points per game. And he'll, uh, well, he's played a little over half the season right now. He's at 42 games. This texture says, Reed, is Panarin even eligible for Rookie of the Year? Did he not play in the KHL, which would be considered professional? Gretzky couldn't get Rookie of the Year because he played professional in the WHA. Panarin is eligible for Rookie of the Year. Uh, what is the, the Calder Trophy states that you can't have played in another major professional league? Well, if you're going to sell yourself as the best hockey league in the world, as the NHL does, and it is, but if you're going to sell yourself that way and make people believe it, then you don't acknowledge any other league as a major league. Right, Matthew? I mean, they don't want to say, oh, we're equal to the KHL. I agree. So, th therefore, they're just going to say, you know, as long as you're under 26, then then you can be voted for, for Rookie of the Year. That That's why... The WHA thing was different, right? Because they didn't. The WHA was a more competitive league to the NHL, both operating in North America, and they they brought in teams from that league. So then, you know, let's face it, they didn't want WHA players coming in and winning awards, right? So they said, no, if you've played in the WHA, you're not a rookie. Look, is it consistent? No. <laughs> but I mean, the, the league doesn't have to be consistent in, in its rules, especially when they're. 36 years apart. I just think the age should be different, Reed. I don't like the age being, was it 26 or something like that? It's 26. That's well, crazy. Okay, so here's That's the thing. What's, too much. What's the cutoff, though? I'd say, I'd say 22. So, But what if a guy goes to four year, plays four years NCAA, and then he you know turns 23 at the start of his rookie season in the NHL, and he's clearly the best rookie in the league? He's never played pro. He's never played in the A, never played in the KHL. I say too bad. <laughs> it's too bad. Too bad. You, you're, you're past the age of eligibility. There's got to be 26 is just you played in some other league, obviously, and I don't think that's right. I think it should be a clean person that comes out of the OA, of the WHL or something like that, right? Or out, out of the Russian Hockey League, but not the KHL. Well, see, I, I, I think they should just put a games played cap on it. Uh, keep, keep 26 as the age, but say if you have played more than – I don't know, 180 games in another pro league, including the AHL. So if you spend, say you're in the minors from 20 to 23, right? And then you come up and you're the best rookie in the NHL at 24 or, or at 23, then you can't get it because you played too many games in the AHL. I, th I think they should just make a rule and say if you play this many games in another pro league and then that covers off whatever. Switzerland. I guess Austin Matthews played in Switzerland this year, right? 
Now that wouldn't be considered a major professional league, but but it, it, you know if a guy spent if, if Austin Matthews decided to spend four years in Switzerland hypothetically and play 200 games there and then come over and light it up, he couldn't be rookie of the year. He played too much in another league. I just think lowering the age to a year that's close to the NCAA graduation age it would be unfair towards those players. Though, when was the last time a guy came out of NCAA and won the Calder Trophy? Off the top of my head, I can't think. Well, you got to look that up now. <laughs> Maybe one of the goalies, like Jim Care. I don't know. I, I, I would have to go look that up. Taylor Hall had this to say about McDavid. I mean, it's, it's not like he came here a uh, project by any means. He was, uh, <laughs> he was an exceptional player as soon as he stepped on the ice and put on our jersey. So, um, But in saying that, to be able to do it month after month, game after game, especially when maybe teams weren't playing their first deep pairing and their first line against them at the start of the year, they certainly are now every, you know, every shift. So... For him to play at this level, uh, it's been fun to watch. It's been great to see um, for for the future of our team. And uh, you know, not only that, I think he's grown off the ice just as far as taking on a bigger role. He's the youngest guy on our team, but you know, a lot of guys look up to him, and, and they should. What about the Calder? Should he be in the mix for that? If you, if you had a vote? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I'm partial for sure. Uh, no one's, you know, per on a, you know, you look at his point totals. I mean. He's even really up there, so um, you know I definitely think he's got to get nominated. And uh, you know, there's been a couple other rookies that maybe haven't kept the pace that they had at the start of the year. Um, I'm not sure how the voters vote, but uh, you know I think it's a lot harder to to put up points like Connor has at the end of the year. The the pace is so much higher than the start of the season. So um, I mean, he's got my vote. All right, well, you would expect the the teammate to say that uh, for sure. I know Connor McDavid has your vote. If we were doing this in Chicago, I'm sure Artemi Panarin would have your vote. And I'm sure if we were doing this in Philadelphia, Shane Gossisbear would have your vote. And in Buffalo, maybe even Jack. It, it's it's funny, Matthew, I put, <laughs> I put out the... Uh, when I did that blog last week on the vote, one of the voters put Jack Eichel first. And, and Ryan Batty, who writes for Copper and Blue, we've had him on the show a couple of times, quoted my tweet and wrote... You pulled Jack Eichel's mother? <laughs> I did not ask Jack Eichel's mother to vote. Uh, by the way, good stuff on the uh, by the blogger Matt Henderson today. He's an uh, archaeological guy on Twitter. I'm not sure how you say that. He wrote a good, uh, good argument for McDavid winning the Calder Trophy. Looks into some of his advanced stats. He's a positive Corsi player on a last-place team. He kills penalties, which rookies often don't do. So uh, good stuff there by Matt Henderson if you want to check that out. All right, we're coming up to the 6.30 news. Perry Berezin, former Calgary Flames forward. Memories of the Battle of Alberta in the 1980s. He was credited with a huge goal. He was the recipient of a huge hit from the Moose. That's when we get back on Inside Sports. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. The Blue Jays and the Boston Red Sox exhibition game at the Big O in Montreal. Bottom of the fifth, the game is tied 2-2. Couple of texts here before we bring in Perry Berezin to reflect on some battles of Alberta of the past. 
Cal says, uh, hey, Reed, I never did understand the ruling for Rookie of the Year in the NHL. I never did agree with their rules. Gretzky should have been able to win that trophy for the plain and simple fact that it was his first year in the NHL. The way I see it is it should not matter what other league you have played in. There is only one NHL, and for any player to step into the NHL for the very first time, well, he should be eligible to win the Calder Trophy. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Ha ha! Thanks from Cal. And Derek says, hey, guys, I don't think McDavid could win the Calder Trophy. He has to play on a professional NHL team first. That is from Derek. Bring in the sass tonight. <laughs> ah, I know the Oilers are an easy target. Hopefully with uh, McDavid leading the charge on the ice, they won't be for much longer. I know uh, Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News is like – I, I didn't see the whole thing, but he's on some Twitter rant. He's like, well, the Oilers should be relegated. It's like, well, you know, like if there were relegation, he's like, well, the bad teams would be relegated. Well, yeah, you, you cover the Sabres. They've, they've been last the last two years. So if that's your argument, then Buffalo should also be relegated. And I think Mike is hard on the Sabres. But uh, anyway, whatever. I don't want to get into that whole I, – I was I was – Talking about the draft lottery again today with somebody, Matthew, down at the rink. Darcy Seaton from CTV, and I did a hit with uh, Pat Steinberg. And I, you know what? I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say this on Edmonton Radio because I said it on Calgary Radio. I hope the Flames win the draft lottery. I do. I hope the Flames win the draft lottery and draft Austin Matthews. Why not? I mean, okay, like the Battle of Alberta. Seriously, what's the point total? The Oilers have 67 points. Calgary has 70. Calgary can finish with a maximum of 78 points. Edmonton can finish with a maximum of 73. It's more likely going to wind up. They'll probably be a point or two apart. Like, it's not really bragging rights if it turns out 73 to 71 for one of the two teams. I mean, it's bad. It's bad for all the Canadian teams. So I'm like, you know what? I hope Calgary wins the draft lottery. I hope they get Matthews, and I hope he and McDavid are the two best players in the league for a significant period of time, and they're going against each other five times a year in the regular season and, and in playoff series. Why not, Matthew? Why are you shaking your head? No, no, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. That's why I'm like, oh, I'm licking my chops at this stuff. Well, I'd love to see a, a head-to-head between McDavid and Matthews. That'd be, that'd be great five times a year. I mean, we haven't seen that in years from the Orders and Flames. The Battle of Alberta has been kind of irrelevant. I think the uh, Orders and the Canucks have been the better matchup the last 10 years. Though Reed. also irrelevant because the Canucks have always been way better. Yeah. than the, Well, especially the last... I mean, this year, the Canucks are, are bad. They're two points ahead of Edmonton. With, but, like, I was stunned that Vancouver beat San Jose last night. What about the Sharks, eh? They lose at home to the Oilers. They lose at home to the Canucks. It's kind of surprising for a team trying to get ready for the playoffs. Lots of memories of Rexall Place of the Battle of Alberta. Perry Berzin was a central figure in many of them. Perry, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really good to talk to you. And, man, there's so much uh, we're going to hit on today. But but from a memories of Northlands Coliseum, Rexall Place type angle, I, I don't know if there's a... a a, a better guy because uh, you grew up uh, close to where the, the Coliseum wound up being put when you were you were a young guy. Yeah, my my parents uh, they still have the same house they got married in in Belvedere. They're still there, and Belvedere's probably probably took me 15 minutes on my bike to uh, to get to Northlands, and 
um, at an early age. My, my first memories of that whole area were, were the uh, Edmonton Gardens, though. And um, amazing, my mom kept this autograph book that I, I still have, and Darcy wrote is one of the first names in it when he was playing for the Edmonton All Kings. And I think, God, I looked at his stats, his, especially his last year junior, and they're insane. So he was the star, and he's, I looked up to him and going to the gardens. And then you see this new building being built as a young kid. Um, and then I end up uh, turning pro sometime down the road and, <laughs> and, and played, played against those uh, Oilers in that building. It's pretty cool. Do you remember going to a game there as a, as a spectator, either in the WHA or the NHL? Yeah? yeah, yeah, I do. I didn't go to very many. I mean, we... We uh, didn't have a lot of money in our family growing up, so it's not like we were spending money on those tickets. That's why I was going to the gardens. But um, when I, I I do remember going, and I you know it's 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 crazy because I've never been a huge hockey fan, if that makes any sense. I loved playing the sport, but I, I wasn't a fan watching the sport. So <laughs> my memories of of the early days going into Northlands Coliseum was more interested in walking the loop, just doing the entire loop a couple times because <laughs> I wanted to walk around. I, here I'm missing the game, and my dad would be thinking, like, what are you doing? Um, so I, I, I've always been an antsy person, still am, uh, sitting still and, and just watching was never my thing. Okay. Well, you wound up in the National Hockey League, and you wound up with uh, a rival of, of the Edmonton Oilers, and we want to talk about a couple of a key moments for you as a flame. But first of all, did, was, did it uh, – I mean, when your friends and family were like, "Oh, great, he's he's a flame." Was that was there any of that, or, or what was it like? Oh yeah, yeah. In, in my family, not really, because uh, uh, my family really weren't they weren't um, what you consider regular oiler fans. With the you know, maybe they've got the 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 their house painted a certain way, or it wasn't they weren't crazy oiler fans. Like anyone who lived in Edmonton, I think still does. If the team's succeeding, you're you're fine. But my connection really was different in that when I was playing for the St. Albert Saints, Doug Messier was my coach uh, as a 16-year-old, and so I met Mark many times through the year with Doug being my coach. Uh, met Kevin Lowe and met a few a few of those other the Oilers that would just kind of hang around and come by the the rink every once in a while. So my first, you know. My first encounter with the, the Mark Messier with a smile on his face when I saw him, he had a different look on his face, more like his dad did when he was ticked off at us when we were playing for the Saints. So it, uh, it, you knew I walked in at the, at the perfect time because it was 1985 when I, when I turned pro, and I, I, I don't think I could have came at a better time, obviously, because 86, we, we beat them. But the, that rivalry and hatred was, was just peaking at that point. Um, and I experienced something that I, I think most professional athletes would go, God, I, I wish I would have been a part of some crazy rivalry. And I still talk to players, retired players now that go, what was it like? Other players saying, what was it like to play the Oilers in those 80s? So the world, the world, the hockey world certainly knew that, that was, those were special, special times. Perry Bearson joining us on Inside Sports. Now, it is your name listed as the goal scorer for the game-winning goal in Game 7 of the Smythe Division Final. That was the goal Steve Smith banked into his own net off Grand Feuer. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know uh, how you look back on that. The, the biggest goal you ever scored that you didn't actually score, or what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, For I played, uh, you know, nine seasons in the National Hockey League, and uh, I'm known for a goal that I was on the bench while it happened. 
So it it, it and, and you know what it is pretty cool. It, it, the, the the way the way it happened again that me going back to you know I end up in the middle of this crazy rivalry and I'm my rookie year that was my rookie full year um, as a pro in in '86. So I'm just. You know, I'm I'm going for the ride. I'm uh, taking everything as it comes. Uh, the actually the year I was with uh, Doug Messi and the Saint Albert Saints prepared me for the crazy intensity and and the violence and, and the intimidation because uh, our our Saint Albert Saint Junior team that year we were that we were exactly that we intimidated and scared the crap out of everyone. So I was somewhat mentally prepared, but. Um, when it when that season got to the playoffs and we got to uh, it was all business it was all business Badger Bob had this he's been working on this plan for years and he he's convincing us we, he's got the exact plan to beat them and stop Gretzky and uh, it was amazing uh, I could tell you Badger Bob stories for hours um, but as it get, gets to game seven and I learned as I went on further in, in, in as a pro in playoffs, it's all business. Every day's business. Uh, it, you never get too high. You never get too low. It is, you are in a mode and you stay in that mode. And that is, what do I got to do now? Whatever it takes. And, and I got something, uh, I got business to do. So we're tied up here in game seven and it's getting later in the third period. And it was all business. And I got across the red line and dumped it in and turned quickly because I was by the right beside the bench and tried to find a seat. And uh, then there was just this, I, I heard this lull. I didn't see it go in. I heard this lull. I'm thinking, what happened? I turned around and said, what happened? The guys are going, I don't know. I think we scored. Who scored? And they're going, I think Lanny scored. I went, oh. But our bench really wasn't screaming and yelling and, and celebrating. The oxygen in the building disappeared because every other fan was going, what did we just see? Um, but most of the players, I think uh, on both sides, uh, the Oilers had a better uh, advantage, uh, vantage point for what happened, but everything got to, all momentum, all kind of at the time, uh, anything positive that was in your mind as an oiler was gone because you're, Young rookie defenseman Steve Smith is crying on the ice on his hands and knees, and we still got lots of games to play here. I don't know if there's nine minutes left or something. So on our bench, it was great because we were still all business um, because we didn't really have time to celebrate. We didn't even know why we were celebrating because no one knew how the puck even got in the net. And there's remember, there's no replay board, so it's not like you're seeing it. Right. Uh, I had no idea what happened until I guess it would have been late that night by the time we took the charter home. Um, very strange. Mike Vernon stood on his head the rest of the game and uh, stopped what everything that uh, the Oilers could put at us, and uh, we 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 defeat him. Uh, it was it was pretty special for me, obviously, because they announced Lanny got the goal to begin with. And again, I still mentally, uh, I was all, still all business. I'm like, okay, all right. I just I was Badger was playing me a lot, so I was playing with Tanelli on one side and McD- Lanny on the other. I had I had work to do. And then about two or three minutes into it, the announcer changed, uh, announced the change of the goal, and I'm like, why me? <laughs> How the heck did I get that goal? Um, wow. I didn't, even get, I didn't even get a plus. Yeah, that's right. Oh. <laughs> you, you wouldn't have been on the end. That, that's <laughs> no. incredible. That Yeah, that it took that long for you to actually find out, well, to, to see it and, and to realize that it was yours. Perry Bears and joining us in Inside Sports. You mentioned your connection to the Messier family. Now there's and I watched it on YouTube just before doing this interview. The uh, the hit 
that he oh, yeah. laid on you in uh, in in nineteen eighty eight. I mean, do you re- do you remember the play, or do you only remember by, no. by seeing it, or, or what? no? It, that was uh, that was a concussion that if I would have if that was in the middle of the season, I would have probably been out the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, that was and back then, you know, I looked at it again because at first, my first reaction when press were asking me about it were was you know he's got to pay for that. He should be suspended. He's that, that was my first. And and back then the reporters were so nice to us. One of the reporters kind of said, "Hey Perry, have you seen it yet?" I said, "No. Maybe you should look at it because actually, it probably wasn't going to even be a penalty. Maybe roughing." And I'm like, "What? Because I didn't see it." But reporters are so good, right? Um, obviously, the rules have changed now, and that would be a, a massive suspension. But he 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 caught me just right, and. Uh, man, that's another long story because I was in, uh, I never really woke up. Uh, I was walking around, but the, there's like a TV tube in my, in, in, in my brain that all of a sudden this little light went on and I hear myself talking to doctors in the dressing room wow. and I'm swearing up a storm and I couldn't get control of my own body. And, and I see my dad who happened to wander worrying about me, wander by the I think, and I'm swearing my dad's in here. I better shut up. And that's what shut me up. <laughs> it shut me up, and they took me to the hospital. And uh, I would say, fortunately for me, Gretzky scored the the goal to take us out of the playoffs, or I would have been back in. And with all this concussion stuff now, I think back, and I go, I would have been back in the lineup, and I might have been seriously uh, damaged. I was lucky I had the whole summer to recuperate because right. uh, Mark caught me just, I mean, it was nothing, really nothing dirty, but it, he knew exactly, he, he 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 wanted to punish somebody and he caught me shoulder to uh, me leaning kind of over into the head and uh, it, uh, it, it put me into la-la land. So uh, Marcus, I still got the most respect for that guy. What a competitor and uh, uh, he learned from Doug real well. <laughs> Doug was Doug was very good at that stuff. He, he was uh, they, that that whole family. They, they they sure know what winning was all about. All right, I got one more for you here, Perry. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit. Somebody told me you do a Rod Phillips impression. Is is, is that oh accurate? God. And if so, can, you know, are you willing I, I to do used, it? I I I would I remember because that was in the Saint Albert Saints days. Um, the that's where it started, and uh, I haven't done that for so long, so I wouldn't even I wouldn't even have a clue. It's been so long how to do it. I don't even want to butcher it because um, we, the, you know, I I I always liked having the radio on. So hearing Rod growing up was awesome. It was a it was Rod, Rod, and then as I'm going to sleep, I'd sneak the radio on and I'd hear John Short to put me to sleep, and then I was out. <laughs> that was my night, but. I'd love to do something. Uh, all I can remember is shot, save, rebound, scores. Uh, that that uh, although with with Rod's uh, obviously Rod's voice, but no, I, I haven't done that for a long time. All uh, right, well, <laughs> tell you what, work on it over the summer. We'll have you on again. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> sounds awesome. And uh, I sure I sure hope that uh, the these those loyal, passionate fans of in Edmonton get to uh, get to maybe purchase their own seats and a piece of that building because. Uh, that that building is a massive part of uh, of, of Edmontonians and any Oilers fan. Absolutely, Perry. Thanks so much for making time for us. Great stories about Rexall Place on the Battle of Alberta. I hope we can do this again. Sounds good. Anytime. That is Perry Bearsden checking in tonight. Uh, now lives in Calgary, and you heard the story. Grew up just a few minutes from what was Northlands Coliseum when it opened in 1974.
and he uh, went on to uh, play against the Oilers for the Flames, was on the bench, didn't even see it happen when Steve Smith put the puck in his own net in Game 7 in 1986. Berezin wound up getting credit for the goal. He mentioned John Short in that interview. Well, John Short is our next guest after the 7 o'clock news. We'll get to some headlines and the updated scoreboard when we get back. Reed Wilkins with you. John Short coming up after the 7 o'clock news. Uh, John just now... Uh Making his way into the studio. We'll bring you on after 7, John, but he might as well come in and, and grab a grab a comfy chair. Uh, yeah, come on in. He brought an entourage. He's like Don King, who I think we'll probably tell some stories about in the next hour. Uh, <laughs> uh, 780-496-0063. We have Ron on the open line. Hey, Ron. Hi. Uh, gentlemen, I just got to tell you, in 86, when that goal happened, we were sitting... At a big auction just south of Lloyd Minster on Highway 17, half of the building went absolutely stone cold quiet. The other half of the building erupted in cheers. Wow. We we just did not know what to do over that because they were playing the game while they were holding the auction. It is something I will never forget. So what? Uh, what like was it just? Uh, what kind of an auction was it? Just a regular. Oh, it, was, it was just an auction, you know. Um, people bringing in stuff and you know wanting to get rid of it, what have you. Nothing special, but it, okay. there, there had to be uh, what 150, 200 people there. So was it? Sorry, was it on a TV screen or was it on the radio? No, it was on a TV screen. They had big TV screens set up so everybody could watch the game while the auction was on. That okay. was the beauty of it. Jeez. That's quite a memory. So were you one of the cheering people or one of the devastated people? Devastated, absolutely. Yeah. Right through the heart. Yeah. But you, you know, know what? what? The Flames did... bleeding blue ever since. The, the Flames did everything that they had to do in that series, didn't they? They put themselves in a position to get a good break. Yes, they did. But the one thing that the NHL really missed, in my world anyways, is the best of the best, came out of the Smite division. Yep. Now, that would have been Stanley Cup playoff hockey. We'd have had Calgary and Edmonton playing. The brutality that went on. Yeah, and Winnip- fight. Winnipeg had some good teams too, Ron. Winnipeg had some good teams too. Well, they did, but the rivalry wasn't there. True, yeah. You know, I, I went to Calgary after um, they'd won the Cup, and it was full-blown. The next year when Edmonton won it, there was just a little square on the front page. I mean, like two <laughs> cities that hated each other over hockey it was unbelievable. It's like we do over football. Ron, great call, man. Thanks for listening. Hey, well, you guys take care, and thank you for putting me on. Right on. That is Ron at 780-496-0063. All right, news break coming up. Some of the headlines. Tiger Woods will not play in the Masters. Duncan Keith gets six games for the stick to the face on Charlie Coyle. The Eskimos will not have to give any compensation to Ottawa for Jason Moss. Quick look at the NHL scoreboard. Detroit, they're trying to push their way into a playoff spot, up 2-0 on Mini in the second period. The Blackhawks without Keith leading the Jets 2-1 after one. Bruins 2, Blues 1 after one. A couple games still to come. Caps and Avs and the Canucks and the Ducks. John Short next.